33 of Training Class Truth. It's going on almost two years now, and I think that's very few episodes for something going that, that length of time. But I, I do take my time in between guests, and I like to get the, the right guests in. Um, I don't want to just throw things out for the sake of quantity or, you know, or quality or anything like that. But um, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I've watched a few of your reviews on YouTube, and little did I know that you do. There's a lot more to you than that. Um, I've been reading up on you since. And actually, we've only come across each other since yesterday, really. Um, yeah. But um, no, look, I'm thrilled to have you on. Where about you come from, the, from today, Matt? So I um, live on the West Coast of the United States. Yeah. Which is, um, you know, I actually live in the state of Washington, but it's right next to the state of Oregon. Um, so very close there. I'm kind of like on the border. Uh, so really close to the, the biggest city is Portland, Oregon, that I live, you know, right in the suburbs of. And uh, it's beautiful here. Although I'd say weather very similar to you guys, very like rainy conditions right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's cold, but it doesn't really snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, for running, I think it's fun. <laughs> I think it's actually fantastic. Uh, and we have like beautiful mountains and um, we're pretty close, about an hour to the ocean and another hour to the mountains where you can ski and things like that. So it is a great location in a lot of ways, uh, but it is also dark and rainy during this time of year. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, the last few days here have been a bit of snow, a bit of ice, and it's actually a bit treacherous to go out uh, on the road yeah. um, in the footpath even. Um, my guest actually is Matt LeGrand, and uh, Matt is, well, he's a few things, but I've narrowed down to a YouTuber, podcaster, experienced runner, triathlete, and a fitness tech expert. I know you have a lot more under your belt than that, and we'll probably get to it. Um, but look, first of all, welcome to Train Tom. Training Talk Thank Truth. You. Um, Thank you. Generally, what I do is that the three headings, Training Talk Truth, are, um, well, I, I usually break it up. And you might have seen this in uh, one of my podcasts. I usually ask the guests, training is the physical aspect of their life, talk is like the mental aspect, and truth is like the spiritual side of it. Um, so... I usually go through where the guests are in each of them and hopefully it'll reach someone who can maybe relate to the guests that day and uh, maybe get some motivation on one of those three aspects. So if that's okay with you, I'll run through them. Absolutely. Great. Um, so I want to cover a range of things with you because the training stuff excites me, um, especially with with your um, reviews and, you know, the, the Martins and the Ironmans and the different bits and pieces you have done. Um, but also, I want to kick off first by getting the background to you, um, sure. where you were raised, your family, your background, and what brought you down this path where you are now. So I grew up in the south of the United States, southeast. So it's um, uh, a state called Alabama, which is, you know, um, it's not like super well known for education and things like that. It's a, a little more rural typically, but I did grow up in a, a city that was of decent size. And uh, I started running um, in middle school. So that was probably at the age of about 12 or 13. And uh, I, when I started, it basically was like, hey, you know, all your friends are starting to run track. So like, what do you do when you're, you know, that age? You're like, I'll do whatever my friends are doing. Uh, so I just jumped on the bandwagon and then the like very next year. So for me, that was like my eighth grade year. And that was like, all of a sudden it was so uncool to run, you know, like everyone was doing like basketball and, uh, just, you know, other sports. 
And I was like, well, I kind of like this running thing. I'm not going to switch. I want to stick with it. And so it went from being like everyone on the team to pretty much just me. And when you're in this, you know, small school systems and like a very, you know, rural location, you don't have like a ton of people to begin with. So we would struggle to get five people on our team to even have like a fully functioning cross country team for cross country. You need five people to score and things like that. So uh, I remember like begging other people, like, please come on the team. Like, we don't care if you walk or whatever, just like, please come be on the team. Uh, but I, um, I had some good success. Um, you know, really like when, when everyone left the team, then all of a sudden I was like the fastest person on the team, which I wouldn't necessarily consider success. Uh, but you know, then, you know, you, you know, you like the sport and you're willing to work at it. And I think basically by the time I was, about 15 or 16 years old, um, I was one of the better runners in the state of Alabama. And so I won the state championship, uh, you know, right around that same time as a, as a sophomore in high school um, or about 15 or 16 years old. Uh, and then after that, it was like, oh, you're in the newspapers. There's just a whole different level of like, you know, taking it seriously, right? Like people expect you to win all of a sudden if you've won in the past. Uh, and, um, I, I really liked the training. Like I started the sport because I loved it. Uh, not because I was good at it. I kept with the sport because I loved the sport of running. And, um, you know, you had these dips of, you know, falling in love with it more and kind of feeling too much pressure with winning and things like that. But, um, I won the state championship a couple more times and then went on and, and ran at university level, uh, which, was really like the goal at that, you know, when you're in, you know, high school or whatever, it was like, can I make it and run in college? Cause I want to keep doing this thing that I love. Uh, and so I was like, you know, I really want to do that. And then it looked like I was going to be able to do that. And then it looked like, can I be, you know, division one, which in the United States, that's kind of like the top level of, you know, university um, competitive athletics. And it was like, okay, I think I can do that. And I made a division one program and I was, really just happy to be a part of that. You get to travel, you have, you know, a whole different university team, um, just a lot, a uh, lot more fun and enjoyable than kind of being on a, a small team in Alabama. And, uh, you know, I got to do a lot of neat stuff. I got to train with, you know, I would say like some of the best runners in the world we had, um, you know, by the time I was finished with it, we had uh, Kenyan athletes on our team. Uh, one of the guys was, uh, an NCAA champion, he went like 13-10 in the 5K, which, you know, that's still fast today, but back then it was just amazing uh, that anyone could even run that fast. So he was like a multiple-time NCAA champion. Uh, and this is just a guy like, oh, you get to go run with him anytime you want to. So that was just a neat experience. Um, and, uh, you know, I really, you know, after college, it was like, okay, well, you know, how do I keep this going? Um, I did graduate school and I kind of kept competing and uh, did some marathons and things like that. Uh, and then I basically kind of had finished school, but I was still running. And I, I kind of took the time to kind of say like, okay, I'm going to teach myself how to make websites and all this stuff. At the time, you know, not many people were doing that, right? So it was like, if you think back to, you know, that 2000 kind of timeframe, like if you could make a website, like who are you? You're crazy. You're crazy. Right now. It's like, Oh yeah, give me five minutes and I'll make a, a website that was 20 times better than what we made back then. 
But back then it was like, um, if you can make a website, wow, you are crazy. Uh, and I made this website that was called um, therunning.com. And it was like running news kind of information. And I really liked that website. I don't, I don't take care of it anymore or anything like that. But uh, other people kind of looked at it and were like, hey, you did this. Can you, you know, can you make the Olympic trials website for the United States? And I was like, yes, I can, which is crazy for some, you know, 20 something year old kid to be able to, you know, take on that task. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, again, like it's the same kind of situation where it's like, oh, you can make a website here, do this. Um, and so I did that. Um, for, it was kind of like the 2003, 2004 Olympic trials kind of stuff. And, um, you know, nowadays they would have like some sort of, you know, agency and firm that just does websites, like take over that project and it would be a, you know, hundred thousand dollar project or something, who knows. Uh, but back then it was just like, oh yeah, you can do this, do it. Um, and I also got to be like the elite athlete coordinator. So I got to meet all of the top American runners at that time frame. And you're kind of like scheduling their hotels and scheduling their flights for them and stuff like that. Uh, which was just cool because you meet people and you, um, you know, at the time I wasn't fast enough to run at the Olympic trials, but it was like, I was still fast and you could go out and run with these guys and they're so personable. No one has like that chip on their shoulder. No one's like, you know, yes, I'll sign autographs for you. They're just like, yeah, come hang out with us. Like, you know, whatever it was. Um, it was a cool experience to have in your, you know, early twenties, you know, so both learning all the tech stuff and then also having the ability to tie it into the sport that I loved, which was, which was running at the time. So, and I still love running, like running still my favorite sport. Yeah. And what, what do you think that, um, what do you think that you excel so early on that? Is, do you think that's it? something in your genetics? Is that from your family history? Or do you think that you just had a better work ethic, work ethic at the time? I, I would, so that's a tough question because, um, so growing up, I think you, you know, you're in it and you're like, I only am good because I work hard. Like I'm, you know, like there's a thousand other people that are significantly more talented than me. The only reason I can run with these people is because I work harder than everyone else by a significant margin. And, uh, and I think there's some truth to that, but I also think that the flip side of the coin is like, there's a lot of people that are less talented, just flat out less talented than you. And now I actually coach at the high school that, you know, is close to me here. And you see that you see, you know, um, very, very talented kids. Like we're really lucky that we have a lot of talent, uh, you know, talented runners, kids that are very close to that four minute mile. And that's just a very high level of talent that doesn't come around very often. Uh, and our, our school seems to just attract these talented runners. Uh, and then you, you know, again, we have a huge team. We have like 150 kids on our high school team. And so you also see kids that are there to participate, kids that are there to, and they, they struggle to walk for 5K, you know, much less run a 5K. And so you do see like very different levels of talent and um, for me personally, you can tell like, okay, I wasn't a four minute miler. Like I never had that talent. And it was just like, no matter how, no matter how hard you would work, you would, I would never get there. Uh, but at the same time, like, you're not the guy that's struggling so much that he couldn't run. Like some of us just like, I wasn't overweight. I was l a lean little kid. Um, and so I think there's just different levels of talent. And, you know, I think maybe I was somewhere in the middle and then the real talent, you know, 
this one old runner once told me, he's like, well, there's two types of talent. It's the ability to just naturally go fast and the ability to work really hard. And I definitely had that like ability to work hard. Um, in college, I was notorious for doing uh, hundred mile weeks or significantly more than hundred mile weeks. Um, kilometers, you know, 150 kilometers or even like 200 kilometers per week. So ridiculously large volume as far as running goes. And I think that that helped me kind of um, be competitive at that division one NCAA championships type level, even though I surely like should not have been racing with those guys uh, based on talent. And so I would say like some of both, um, but yeah, I, it's now interesting that I'm coaching, you know, kids at that age and to see like, Oh, talent is real. Uh, but work ethic is real as well. Um, and then you think to yourself, man, like I see all the mistakes that I made and I see some of the bad attitude. That's the stuff that you regret, right? Where you're like, I wish I was very nice to coaches and, you know, other athletes. And you just, you seem to only remember the stuff that you regret. I don't know why, but. Yeah. But you know, as well, though, I'm sure you must have seen then the, uh, the likes of the sports technology come on very quickly because you would have seen it from an end where there was practically no sports technology. Almost. Nothing. Yeah. And even the runners were probably terrible for feet, you know, at the time. Um, and I know you had a hand in, uh, was it the Runners World um, yes. website also of taking the yeah. data of different runners and things like that. And, you know, I wanted to get to that as well. Like, you must have seen all of that coming from the ground up, like 200 kilometers in a week, say. It seems like an awful lot, but the, the skeletal, the human skeleton can take. And is there right. an amount that you've seen that has helped that has technology helped uh, running compared to what you see with the young lads now you probably see them with the best of gear on and you probably all had it didn't really matter what pair of runners you turned up in at the time we um we had access you know when, when i was at the university we had to be a we had to work with like a specific company and you had a surprisingly limited amount of like choices for shoes uh because we wore what we were kind of told to wear um, and then, you know, when I was working with the Olympic trials, you could kind of like pick whatever shoes you wanted to. Um, and then when I, I moved on from there and I was kind of working with like um, Runner's World magazine and I was doing some interesting things like that kind of uh, one of the things I was doing, this was uh, I had moved to Michigan at this point and they had this Runner's World shoe lab which was cool because what we did was we took in shoes from all the manufacturers around the world and we tested them. We hooked them up to machines and we like, you know, how much flex do they have? How much um, we would hook them up to a different machine? How much cushion do they have? Um, and then, you know, we would actually uh, distribute those to about, you know, a hundred people and say like, we need you guys to test this stuff for us. Real world feedback, like run with it, tell us what you think. Uh, and we're going to compile all this information. And then um, I didn't have to write anything, any reviews. We'd pass those on to the editors. And those guys would be able to take the data that we came up with and be able to kind of do whatever they want to with it. And um, the way that Runners World works, it's, it's, a, it's an international you know, magazine. And so, but you would have like different regions. So they would have like Runner's World Ireland, Runner's World um, United States, uh, different locations. And so they could all take that data and they could come to their own conclusions from it. But, um, but man, at that point, we were really encouraged to take uh, about four times per year, they would say, you know, we really want you to run in 
you know, each one of these, like at least 25 shoes uh, to run in each of those and kind of get some feedback in them. You know, it's like, just run a little bit if you can and just let us know what you think. And so then you have a real wide variety of seeing lots of different options. Uh, and so you can kind of learn what you like and, um, and what you don't like pretty quickly. And, you know, I actually got attached to a company called Mizuno. It's like a Japanese company. Uh, they have a shoe called the Wave Rider that I loved and they still make that shoe as far as I know. Um, I don't wear it now, but I, uh, I did, you know, I wore that for quite a long time, um, you know, as my kind of go-to shoe when I wasn't testing other things. So that was a great experience. Um, that being said, I didn't really do any testing on watches or heart rate monitors or, you know, a lot of the stuff I do now, it's like bike computers and power meters and all mm -hmm. these things, um, that came like much later on. And, uh, and honestly, when we were, you know, at that like high school university level, even after that, like we were so in the thick of it that we didn't really care that much about it. It was like, you know, well, I don't care what my watch tells me. Like we care about like the lap splits that we get when we're doing track workouts or the, um, which is really like the best thing for that is just a handy stopwatch. Mm -hmm. um, so we were pretty um, Luddites. I don't know. Like we were pretty, uh, not necessarily against technology, but definitely not like super big on any certain technology. And now it's like, man, we have come full swing. There's so many like different technology options, like running power and all these different things where it's like, you can really dive deep on, on running technology things. So. Yeah. And also actually in saying that you'd be right guy, you know, I'm a personal trainer as well. And I often get um, people asking me, when they're starting out running, mm -hmm. what is a good shoe to start with? And generally what I would say to them um, is you probably, without getting into specifics, without going and getting a, a gait analysis or your feet checked, um, if they don't want to do that, then ASICs are generally something I'd say you can't really go wrong with. Um, but also, you know, you, you do, there obviously is a lot of brands, but I do tell them that usually you're paying a few bob for a good pair of runners. You know, you're going to pay 120 and upwards for a decent yeah. pair. Because there's, there's a lot of runners out there that say have run in the title of them, but not necessarily have the soul for it. Um, what are some good um, runners that people should start out with? You know, that if they don't have, you know, they don't want to go elite level, they don't want to spend an awful lot of money, some basic, safe, yeah. you know, choices. I think you're spot on with like the amounts that you mentioned and gait analysis and things like that. But uh, the one recommendation that I, I make for a lot of people is, uh, you know, if you can find a running store, like a little, you know, local running store, like those are the best places to get good feedback on a lot of running stuff. But I will also say that um, if you can try on a whole bunch of different things, oftentimes the one that feels pretty good will often work really well for you. Uh, Yes, you, there are shoes with more support and less support and things like that. But um, really, it's surprising that shoes that feel good really tend to work well for a lot of athletes. So I wouldn't get caught up on getting the shoe with the most cushion or the most support. Uh, but trying on a lot of shoes will really help a lot. Um, as far as the real one of the real problems is like you may find a shoe that feels great, but it's one hundred and fifty dollars or, um, you know, similar in euros. It's just like, I think that one thing that I would recommend is consider last year's model. So every single year, you know, Nike will make the Nike Pegasus 
which is a shoe that I like, and that's what I'm running in now. Um, but they'll make the 37. But there's only a few minor changes from that to the 36 or even the 35. And so, yeah, you can get into all those little nuances, um, but you can also save a lot of money if you just get last year's model, uh, which you know will be you can probably get for closer to that kind of hundred-ish dollar range. You know, really save at least, you know, kind of 20%, I would guess that you should be able to save that much if you get um, a model that's slightly older. So that's yeah. that's nice. I agree with that, though, I have to say, because I'm, I'm running an Ultra Boost at the moment, go daddy, that's one. And I find the older model actually a little bit more comfy because they try and cram 20% more for, you know, and I think it's too sturdy then, you know, um, and funny, like, you know, if I have the 3.0 I have, and I also have the Ultra Boost 19, um, 3.0 is better, even though it's a bit, dead or now at this stage but you know it is interesting that they're not going to be far different like you said they always see them up for sale because of 2021 versions coming out yes. there's nothing wrong with 19 and 20 version that's a great point yeah. Um, yeah. I want to ask you you know you would have so from running from a young age um, I find a lot of people come and say it's harder to make time for running when they make the late 20s 30s with I know yourself you have three boys is that right? yeah that's right I mean, it can be difficult boys. as well can't be to, to, to make time for that kind of thing. So if you're, you're obviously still doing events up until this year, you know, how do you manage your time? Well, um, so I get that question a lot because I do a lot of different things. And um, the, I, I don't have a great answer, which is the sad part. Um, I do like wake up super early and I work, I feel like I work all the time. I feel like I do, I juggle a whole bunch of things at the same time and I don't do any of them well. Uh, that's my sad answer is like, oh, well, you know, you do this YouTube thing, you have a job and you have three kids and you're right now I'm actually homeschooling all three of them because their school is kind of on hold and that should change soon. But, um, I don't do a good job at it. Like you feel horrible all the time. Cause you're like, well, the most important thing is taking care of my kids. And uh, right now, like, you know, I really wanted to chat with you about this and I'm like, okay, well, you guys can watch a video today. It's um, while we're recording this, it's a Sunday. And so it's like, I'm fine with them kind of taking a little bit of time and watching some, some videos as a, it's kind of a treat for them, but they, you know, I could probably be down there, you know, working with them, but um, it's, it's a tricky balance. My wife is out running her long run. We, we trade off a lot because we both think that exercise is an important part of our lives as part of our like mental health. Uh, and so our Sunday long run is very, very important to us. Um, and so we, we kind of take it seriously and we, we trade off with the kids that way. I'm lucky that the kids are a little bit older when they were even younger, like baby babies, you were, it was much more hands-on time. Uh, and you couldn't really sneak off and get any work done or anything like that. Um, so, and even during that time, it was a lot of trade-off with the wife and kind of making sure that we both agree that, you know, that time away and doing our sports stuff is important. Um, you mentioned running specifically. In my opinion, running is the fastest and easiest sport to do uh, to kind of get the, those mental health benefits while, you know, um, doing it in a short amount of time, because, you know, you could even run like once or twice a day really quickly, you know, half an hour or even an hour, whatever, that's a lot of exercise in a short amount of time. Whereas biking or even swimming, you like 
drive to the pool. You, you know, you have to get ready for all this. All that stuff takes so much time. Whereas running, you just go right out the door. Yeah, it's very true. Even even to get on a bike, it sometimes takes longer you think to get the garment, get dressed up, get the tires pumped up, pull the bike out of the shed. But runners, you know, I always think it's good to have like a drawer just for workout gear that you can just, it's always ready to go. Your runners are always there. Just grab it and go, you know, and if you have that half an hour, like you said, and I think it's great. Like a half an hour, you can do a great interval session or you can do a great, um, you know, perfect. You can get a lot done in a half an hour of running, like you said, you know. You oh, yeah. can't, go, can't go too far on a bike in a half an hour. That's a shame, you know? No, I think like an hour is kind of, you know, the minimum amount that I'll do on the bike. Whereas running, I will, I've been doing this a lot lately where um, I've been having some like Achilles problems and I'll just go out for one mile, like mm-hmm. one mile. And I can take my older kid or I can even take my um, middle kid and we can go for like one mile. And I, I love it because it's not it's a break, right? It's a break from being in front of the computer for work stuff. And it's just so nice when you can do that. And I live in a pretty area. I'm really, I feel really lucky that I can kind of, even from a mile from my house, I can get on some trails and just um, kind of be out there in nature. So. Yeah. And, and did you actually, you would do a lot of triathlete stuff, wouldn't you? Like I know um, you, I've seen you've, you've obviously done Ironmans before and you've, you've competed in a lot of triathlete races and a lot of your stuff is swimming based and all. Like that alone would take an awful lot of training and discipline as well, wouldn't it? Like, you know, yeah. that takes a lot of time to train for an Ironman. I can only imagine. It, it is. That's a tough call because, you know, again, when you have kids or whatever, it's such a hard sacrifice to be like, okay. I mean, honestly, anytime you're going to do an Ironman race, um, you're you're sacrificing a ton of your own personal time or family time or work time. Um, the time has to come from somewhere. And so typically, and this is probably my advice to anyone, uh, I can borrow time away from work because I do contract work. Uh, I just get paid less, but I can't take time away from family. Um, and, you know, I just, I think that's probably the smart, I mean, you can take time away from sleep, but you do also need sleep if you're going to perform well during, you know, some of these uh, vigorous kind of activities. So I just think taking time away from work. So one of the things I would do for my last Ironman that I did was I just took Fridays off of work. And that was my day that I would do my longer bike rides uh, or some of the stuff that way. So that was a tough sacrifice that way, but it was way better than kind of, you know, not being able to put the kids to bed or something like that. Yeah, because I know you don't want to take up the minimum time either. Like you want to compete in the Ironman, but you want to do a, get a personal record or a personal best. Right. And as well, I know there's there's a running element of it to keep you fit that way. Then there's the cycling, then there's the swimming, but then there's probably a little bit of gym session or strength work on it, mobility work that you have to slot in there as well. Um, yeah, I can't imagine like like sometimes I try and get out for. A long run is even sometimes, you know, tough to get out for. Um, where, you know, if I'm trying to go out and I run a lot of heart rate zones, so say if I want to go out and do a long tree run, it's going to be an hour and a half to get a good benefit out of it maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that, you have to really, sometimes you have to be, I find it to be a little bit more selfish. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to allocate, like you said, you know, you have to allocate to, to your work. Because I know my work, I can't take time off it. Right, but um, I have to find it somewhere else. And I have a seven-year-old and I have a, a seven-month-old, um, and that makes the sleep side of things difficult as well, you know. And uh, I find my performance seriously altered. Uh, you know. Yeah, that's a tough time frame, right? The seven-month-old, it's like 
there's a lot of work there for sure. Um, it's still, I think, worth, you know, the parents, both of them, to just get some outside time and some time away. Uh, it's, but that, those are really tough years for sure. What about, and you're talking about sleep there. Do you have any tips on combating fatigue? Cause I know, you know, sometimes when you have kids like that, you know, you know, really, there's a lot of people who like that. I find as a personal trainer, a lot of people come to me who are in the, the age range of, they have their kids. Now some of them might be grown up, but some of them are younger as well. And the combating the lack of sleep and the motivation obviously takes a hit. You know, if you don't get that solid, I need a solid seven, I think, to, you know, to be good and strong. But there is ways of kind of, you know, if you wake up shadow, there is ways of kind of reversing it before you get out for your training. You know, do you find any pro tips on, um, on beating fatigue? I don't have a ton of pro tips. For me, like personally, the act of getting out and doing, you know, like I had a neighbor ask me, he was like, you know, I think he was like, I think I'm, I think I can't run as much because when I'm really tired like that, like I can't go for a run. And I said, do this, like try like going for a walk, um, mixing it up that way, because what you may find is that the activity itself wakes you up. And, uh, and that's kind of what I found is like, you know, whether that's a, a mile, even a simple mile where it's like, it's pitch black out there, dark, and you're running in the morning. But like, for me, when I'm done with that, like I'm way more energized than I would be had I like just not done anything at all. Um, I worry about, you know, like using caffeine as like the cure-all. I don't know if you saw I was drinking coffee, um, but uh, I switched to decaf. I've been drinking decaf for a long time now. Um, I do think that there's a, there's like real performance benefits uh, to, to caffeine. So it's not that I have a problem with caffeine at all. Um, I just don't know if I would want to like lean on it as a crutch for not sleeping. Right. Like, um, I think the sleep is important. You, you, you can't really neglect that and expect your body to continue to improve. Um, maybe occasionally you can get away with it, but I think if you're, you know, if you're saying like, Hey, I do really well off of seven, eight hours, but because I'm training for an Ironman, I'm going to do five or six hours. I don't think that's a long-term like sustainable, um, workflow. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do find that, um, if I had a bad night's sleep, it, sometimes even a half an hour, you know, just shutting down the brain sometimes can make a world of difference. Or even then, I, I'm, not, I'm not great on caffeine either. You know, I'm actually quite sensitive to it. So if I have one in the morning, that's it. But I go on decaf then for the day. But I do yeah. find even sometimes like having a bit of, uh, you, know, you know, the electrolyte tablet sometimes in the water, sometimes sip of that, sometimes before I get out for a run, sometimes I can find, you know, a half an hour sleep and then maybe sipping on that. And then, like you said, that uh, act of getting out, and feeling, you know, getting energized from that. I think that's when a lot of people say, you know, they second into swinging in their second or third kilometer. I think that maybe that's what's happening. You know, the body's waking up a little bit there. The warm up might do that. And um, sometimes I pick my my days of running in a in a lower heart rate zone. My fatigue days. You know, sometimes I wake up saying I'm wrecked today, but at least I'll be able to do an easy run. You know, or a, a, a one where I can watch my heart rate and slow down. I don't have to worry about pace or something like that. That's kind of how I manage it a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. But what I find handy about, um, like the sleep, the sleep tracking and things like that, I find quite good. Now I know, I know, like you can't lean too much on the technology side of things, but I do find certain watches are very smart with this kind of thing, you know. 
Right. Um, you wear a polar, uh, don't you? Is it, do you wear the polar un, Unite? I can't remember which polar you have. Oh, you wear the Vantage V original. Okay, Vantage V original. Yeah, so um, in my opinion, I mean, okay, so one of the things I also do is like a whole bunch of reviews for technology pieces and things like that, like a lot of watches and things like that, especially as it relates to triathlon. Uh, but Polar, in my opinion, really does some of the best, if not the best, with sleep tracking. Um, I really like that their metrics there on their sleep tracking stuff. Yeah, it does seem very good because I, um, you know, I was kind of, I'm, on, I'm only a few years kind of uh, into the fitness. And um, before that, I had an Apple Watch and I was using that. Um, but it's a smartwatch with fitness features, I guess, you know, and uh, it can control your speakers in the kitchen or it can, you know, hook to your, your radio or whatever like that. And it's great. It does it perfect. But um, you charge it every day and you're worried about hitting it off a tree if you go trail running or getting muck in it. And uh, that's why I swapped it. You know, I, I basically just said, right, time and I just swapped the Apple Watch 4 at the time for the Polar Vantage V and you know what I never looked back either you know and uh, that's what got me looking that's how I found your website I was looking at the Polar Vantage V2 and I was kind of contemplating whether it was a big a worthwhile jump up or not and a lot of times I'll go run with people and I say to them they say you know I say look it, it's probably worthwhile to invest in a watch now you don't need to get the same watch as me or anything like that but one with right. GPS and one you know with it clear screen uh, that will last your battery a few days and um, I think are the kind of essentials maybe well maybe you yeah. might have better you know I get this question a lot what should I go for and I, right. I've only really I haven't had a Garmin watch before uh, the reason I went with Polar is because um, I'm a sport I'm a strength and conditioning coach qualified yes. in, in college and I volunteered myself to do a VO2 max as the guinea pig for the class and yeah. they had all Polar gear in the sports lab and uh, I said, why? And they said, this Polar built their whole company on heart rate analysis, so they're the best data they told me, you know? So I said, okay. And that's why I went down that route. But maybe you might have bit better insights on Sometimes I worry that I'm a little like too close to it because I review a lot of watches. Mm -hmm. um, so I, and I agree. I think, you know, your answer is maybe better than what mine would be because yours is like, you know, grab something, you need some sort of GPS because uh, I think it's it's worthwhile having something like that. And, and then something with battery life that's gonna go a couple of days. Um, the What I would probably do is really kind of like ask a bit more questions of the person, you know, like, you know, is sleep tracking important to you? Is, um, you know, is triathlon something that you're gonna do? Because if triathlon is something you're gonna do, then that eliminates a whole bunch of watches. Um, certain watches are better specifically for running versus, um, other things. How long is the event that you want to do? Because if you're going to do an Ironman race, then there's, you know, that eliminates a ton of watches as well. So, uh, I should probably do a video where I just say like, you know, here's a whole bunch of things for you to consider specifically when you're picking out a watch, because, um, I don't, I don't think that there's necessarily one best watch. It's more like it's based on what you are doing and your particular needs you know, you may have a couple of watches to choose from um, that I think are good. Uh, I do like the Garmin watches a good bit. Um, sleep tracking is one of those things where it's like Polar does a bit better job there. Um, right now I'm testing Koros, which will, a video will come out on my channel in probably two weeks or so talking about this Koros Pace 2, but it's excellent and it's a bit more affordable. 
Um, you know, so again, you know, asking people about their specific budget for their watch. I would love to test some Apple watches. Um, I had the original uh, Apple watch. Um, I, d I don't love like the raise to wake piece. I think Apple probably does it better than anyone, but I still don't really love that uh, feature. Um, and then again, uh, the big complaint is like battery life. Like these watches go for weeks and we kind of get used to that and going to something that you have to charge every day. You know, when do you charge it? Do you charge it at night when you're sleeping? Well, then you miss the sleep metrics. Do you charge it, you know, um, while you're working, you kind of want to have stuff uh, on at that time. So anyway, I think um, it's a, it's a cool marketplace. It does seem like there's a lot of really good watches right now. So man, if, if you don't have something, it's a great time to be in the market buying something. Yeah, and you know, like a lot of you get great deals on even people who are upgrading, you know, and uh, selling it on. Like, I have no problem with picking up a second hand watch, you know, or you know, yeah, you know, you get great deals on the likes of adverts or Craigslist or whatever. And, and yeah. also, there is, um, you do come across people who want that elite features as well. You know, you do get two spectrums who wants, I know you did your review on the Polo V2 where it had different performance tests uh, that you said weren't yep. too essential for you say uh, you know again it's specific to the person what they want out of it right um, but I do find that um, that that side of things is good like I I always you know when I had the I'm laughing when you were saying about the Apple Watch raised the weight because when I got the Polar Watch I kept doing this when I was running you know this and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and, and I for in, in the interim when I saw my Apple Watch and I just went on a watch before I bought the Polar even mechanical watch, I was doing this, you know, what are you yeah. doing? You know, <laughs> you get used to it after a while. You know? Yeah. It's funny that you get used to that, that, that motor pattern. And um, I think that it's really nice that we have so many choices right now that are really great. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm, I'm still kind of, I mean, I do the type of software development that I do is, um, is Apple specific. And so uh, it's kind of weird that I don't use an Apple watch, but at the same time, it's it's probably short term. Like I imagine that um, because I am reviewing a lot of watches that the next time that Apple iterates on their watch, which will probably be like next summer, I'll probably pick something like that up or it might be next fall, but uh, I'll pick something like that up and review it for the for the YouTube channel. Yeah, 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 we would as well. And um, because I know it does, you know, it is a section because it's so diverse, you know, people don't know what to look at, you know, and I found that as like, I know the Apple Watch isn't working for me right now, maybe it will in a few, you know, right. sort the battery out, but for now, I jump across the folder and uh, I'm yeah. happy with it for the moment, it hasn't let me down, um, you know, there's, there's plus to minus to every watch, I think, like you said, you know, yes. um, and that's just, but I, I think what I want to jump on to is diets. Now, I know, um, silly diet maybe food trends or you know when you're training for an Ironman or you're training just for running or in general are you on the specific diets is there stuff you look out for are you incorporating like you know the vegan diet or intermittent fasting or have you have you gone there or anything like that maybe you might give us some insights on how you feel about that um so there's I feel like there's two different bits right where it's like your general everyday diet and your kind of like training nutrition um, because, you know, when you're doing an Ironman race, so your race might be nine hours or it might be, you know, 16 hours and uh, you really have to like use food as nutrition as fuel specifically for the event itself. 
Um, and you really need to think through like, okay, you know, this Saturday I'm doing a very long workout that's going to be specific to um, that adaptation that you need to be able to go for those super long races. Uh, what do I need to fuel for that race? What do I need to fuel the night before? Um, all these kind of thoughts that way. Um, whereas, you know, kind of more general diet stuff, I have found that intermittent fasting is kind of a great way to, uh, I think, stabilize my weight. Not necessarily, um, I found, you know, I find that like, uh, I tend to gravitate a little bit heavier than I want to be. Um, again, when I'm, when I'm racing, you know, I do want to be light as well, but you, you don't want to be so light that you're weak. Uh, whereas, you know, kind of when I'm not racing right now, for example, like we just had all of these holiday foods and things like that. Um, and it's, I think intermittent fasting is a fantastic tool to just kind of stabilize at a more realistic weight. And so, um, I don't find it that difficult. I have done some longer fasts. Um, inter like intermittent fasting, where it's kind of, you know, just having a, a shorter window where you eat, you know, whether that's like, you know, noon to six or, um, even, you know, it can be even longer than that. It could be like 10 AM to 7 PM, you know, just any time where you can tighten up that window, uh, seems to be a little bit, um, better than kind of just waking up. And the first thing you do is, is eat a whole bunch of food and, or eating. I really actually think eating late at night is a bit more dangerous. And I, you know, I don't have any science to back that up, but, um, the, yeah, the late night, like dessert type stuff doesn't seem, doesn't seem like the right way to go about it. I always think about like, okay, well, those calories are just kind of like sitting there while you sleep doing nothing. Whereas, you know, when you, when you fuel and you fuel right for, you know, training, uh, that you're doing during the day, probably, um, those, you know, you're using those calories and I don't know, and that's, there's no science there that I've, you know, specifically been a part of. It's just, um, my gut instinct is that, you know, eating late at night seems like a bad idea. Yeah. I, you know, and funny you said that, you know, on the podcast, I said that I take, um, last year I do different diet fads and I do them for a month and then I talk to an expert in, you know, like a vegan professional athlete and uh, yeah. talk to them about how I felt the vegan diet. One that I came across was intermittent fasting. And it's the only one I didn't do for a month. Is I, I still do it. I've been doing it for a year and a half and I found it great. Like I found it immediately, I found it performance-wise, it really helped. Like what I mean is if I finish a fast at seven in the evening, or so you start a fast and I go for a run 15 to 16 hours into a fast, I found running in a fast is say, I, had, I was lighter on my feet, you know, where I thought I'd be more tired, you know, but I'm only talking about 10Ks and things like that, you know, not too far. But um, I, I didn't have the science there initially. I was kind of like, well, um, what's happening there, you know? And then uh, my weight went down and my muscle mass maintained, to my surprise. And um, I found that I was sleeping better. And that's probably a lot to do with what you're saying about pulling the food back earlier in the evening because I yeah. think our body... I think it, it processed the food overnight and it used up energy um, as you do that. It's like going out for a lot of drinks and then eating a big kebab at the end and then that all sits your stomach and your body's working on it as you sleep and you wake up wrecked. Um, yeah. And probably if you didn't eat the kebab, it wouldn't be as bad. You'd probably be still processing the drinks or whatever, you know. Yeah. But I, I, like, I do think um, you're right and I found the exact same way that intermittent fasting, I found, is a great tool. And it can sound, um, I say it to my clients sometimes, I obviously don't push anything on them 
But I say, look, this is an option and it's scary to a lot of people, especially the older generation. They're kind of like, oh, hold on, you're not starving yourself. And that, you know, it's kind of like, you're just pulling back your evening meal. Right. You're just extending I, your morning meal. Yeah, I don't find it hard at all. Um, I've done some like really longer extended fasts, which are m- way more difficult. Uh, but I think the thing is, it's like what you realize is humans don't need to eat all the time, three times a day. Like that's crazy, right? Like if you had to wake up and eat and, you know, eat again at noon and eat again late at night, like if that's how you had to be like humans would not have survived, you know, prior to the invention of the refrigerator. Like, like we just not, it's just not possible. Like I just, and I don't think that when you really start to do it, that it's even that difficult. You can go a day without eating. It's really not that crazy. Uh, And people do think you're crazy when you say stuff like that, but that's fine. Um, I don't necessarily think it's for everyone, but it works for me. And, um, and I, you know, I think that the, science out there for intermittent fasting is really strong. Uh, you know, it's not only that, but like extended lifespan and all these other things that go along with it are, are pretty amazing. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a great tool. And like you said, it isn't, you know, I think we, we do consume way too much sugar as well. You know, the snacking between the three meals as well. Uh, there's an old, uh, ancient Egyptian proverb that says we, we live by 25% of what we eat, I think it says, you know, and it's, it's when you think about it, it's, it's pretty true. I remember when I first started with fast and there was a, a cooked chicken on the counter in the house and I had my dinner and I hit my stopwatch for my fast and uh, I went out and as a habit, I was going to go and pick at it and then I was kind of like, well, why am I doing that? You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not actually hungry and it's not maybe hungry. it's a satisfaction. Is it the boredom? Is it, you know, you need to sit in the couch and it's a habit that we need to, have something while we're watching TV or something like that, you know, but I think it makes great discipline, you know, and it's like, um, it's like running, you know, where you put your body under a certain amount of controllable stress. I think it does the yeah. same to the body and it, it boosts your immune system, your metabolism speeds up. And I like it because I think after 12 hours, I just said to people, if you, if you are going to fast, maybe in the morning, get out for a walk or a jog yeah. because I think you burn quicker from the fat stores because your glycogen stores are depleted. So you're getting the bang for your book then, you know, and then have your, have your baby grow up then you come back in the door. Yeah. Um, for Ironman training, one of the, you know, tricks or tips or whatever, you know, you, you can do this, you know, fasted training and your body basically, uh, learns to, you know, use fat as a fuel. And, um, that's a powerful resource, right? Because, now, yeah, even though you don't have to do that all the time for every race, but you have the option to burn more fat as you're basically rolling through your Ironman distance race, which, you know, in those races, you go through all of your calories, pretty much you end up, you know, it's very hard to take in as much calories as you're supposed to take in and process it. It's more about processing the calories than taking it in, but being able to have this extra resource of having fat that you can burn and having your body know how to do that because you've train fasted is such a fantastic tool. A lot of the pro athletes go that route. They'll do um, certain workouts fasted and other workouts fully fueled just because you want to train your body to be able to handle um, other types of fuel sources. Yeah. yeah. There is one thing I follow, like I find it great for running, but if I'm doing maybe, if I'm going for a long bike ride, I find that's different. I can't really fast if cycling. No, I have heard people doing it. But I always think of cycling as though, you know, if you go for 
100 kilometers maybe or more. Right. Kind of, you need to reach for some kind of carbs or else I find my body starts to shut down at that stage. Yep. Or maybe you're, you're going past the sweet spot of it maybe. You know, have you, would you agree with that? Um, I, I find your numbers exactly right. Like somewhere that hundred K where you're like, okay, this, this is where I need calories. Um, because your body will literally your glycogen completion, you're just completely tapped out. And so it's just a matter of, you know, yes, bringing calories in and kind of taking it along the way will help you feel better through that ride, which I think is great because it's so much nicer to finish a ride feeling good than feeling absolutely trashed. Um, I think that there are, you know, there's that concept of like, okay, well, maybe you are supposed to, you know, completely empty yourself out. I don't know. Um, you would have to know specifically going in, like, I'm going to do a hundred kilometer ride with no calories. And I know I'm going to feel horrible. Um, maybe that's the goal of the training. I would, you know, again, I would probably ask the coach, like, what do you think? Is that the goal of this? If so, I don't want to ride with my buddies because they're going to be taking in calories and they're going to need to leave me after whatever that number is might be like 50, 60 K into the ride. Like, you know, this is when Matt's going to crash. And, um, you know, that's by design or that's because he forgot to bring some food. Um, and I think it's just maybe like you have to make that decision. And most of the time, if I'm going that far, I want to have, I want to have access to calories in case I want to be able to kind of get to the finish line. Yeah. I, like I'm personally, like I, I do, I do three kind of things. Like I would say, um, three kind of things I've incorporated over the last while. I'm talking to guests and I picked this up from speaking to people like yourself and tips along the way. Um, I do intermittent fasting personally. Um, and these aren't things I push on my clients either. I, I give them options. You know, obviously um, I tell them what foods to avoid, what foods are great before workout or after yes. workout. Um, but personally, I do intermittent fasting. I don't always run fasted, but I do sometimes if I'm looking to cut a bit of weight. Um, I do uh, the 80-20 rule. Sometimes things I, I train a lot in. Um, so I do kind of consistency over intensity for 80% of my stuff I do in a certain heart rate zone and uh, easier and then 20% I do tougher in my in the red zone maybe and then I'm, I do heart rate specific stuff uh, so I go and I might do a, a run for, on zone 2 uh, or a run zone 3 or then the other days I do intermittent or I do intervals where I mean zone 3 and I jump to 5 and jump back down every, every minute and a half or something like that and um, what's your thoughts on the 80 20 or um, even the heart rate, the heart rate zone training? I, um, okay. So 80, 20, I, I like a lot. I feel like, um, again, I'm, I always lean back on my history of like, okay, well, what did we do in, you know, university? Like when we were training very hard to be as fast as we possibly could for, you know, a 5k or 10k distance. Uh, and if you look at the training, it basically is that kind of 80, 20, you see us, you know, people see us doing all this speed work, all this track workout, but what they don't see is that when we go out for a run and yeah, it might be, you know, seven minutes per mile or, or, you know, seems very fast. Um, it's, it was very easy for us. That stuff was very, very conversation. Like we would be able to have a conversation with our buddies for all of these runs. So those are the morning runs that you don't see that well, or the evening runs where you're, you know, out there doing distance with your buddies, just chatting it up, even though it kind of seems like we're fast, we're really not going that hard. And then, you know, only once or twice a week, are we going and doing those interval sessions? Uh, and so, you know, it, I can see how it's misleading where it's like, oh, well, these guys did, um, 
whatever, like 10 times a thousand on the track. That's so much. And they go so fast. They must just do speed work all the time. Well, not really. Like most of the stuff that we do is this easy distance stuff. And so the, the 80, 20 type concept works for me, kind of looking back at what we've really done. And then uh, the other thing you mentioned was heart rate training. Um, and I would say, you know, at the university level, we looked at that stuff a little bit. We didn't like dwell on it. And um, I find it much, I find it much more helpful now uh, because now that I can't just go easy and run seven minute pace, um, I find that my body now kind of is like, oh, well, remember you used to run easy for seven minute pace. Let's just go seven minute pace. Like, no, that's a horrible idea for me right now. Like right now, what I need to do is go nine minute pace or, you know, whatever the pace is. Maybe it's, maybe it's even slower than that. Um, and there are really kind of neat training methods out there. Like there's the Maffetone training and you can look into this at some point, if that's something that you think is interesting where it's like, no, try and get your heart rate quite low, you know, zone two area, uh, because there's real benefits to being at that particular location. And now with, you know, having these tools, a lot of like heart rate stuff, at least like somewhat accurate on your wrist, like there's not a lot of reason not to use it. It's just, it's all right there. Um, again, I think if you're really relying on it there, you, you might want to get something more specific um, for your heart rate, you know, maybe like a heart rate strap or something like that. If you're basing a lot of your training on heart rate. Um, but if you're like, Hey, I just want to kind of hold myself back. Um, I want to kind of stay on that zone two level. And if I'm close, that's good. Uh, then, you know, wrist-based heart rate stuff works really well. Yeah. I, I found, I don't know whether I have deep veins or something like that, but I found the, uh, certain watches when I'm picking up my heart rate at all, you know, I was getting this flat line thing when I looked back on Strava and I found I had to get the, the heart rate strap really to, to help with all that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I'm actually, I think my next video this coming week is going to be um, talking about heart rate monitor technology. So that's chest wraps and that's optical heart rate monitors mm -hmm. and, you know, why they don't work that well on the wrist versus, you know, even moving an optical heart rate to a different location on the body. I'm really excited about the video. I don't think a lot of people will watch it um, because it'll be kind of nerdy stuff. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, I think you need to know about the technology to understand why a heart rate monitor strap is better and when you might want to choose one or the other. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know what? I, I love all that type of videos. And there's definitely people who are interested because, it, you know, I'd be a tech geek in that kind of way as well. But um, I know the like I sent back Apple watches saying, this isn't working. And they gave me a brand new one and same thing. And I said, what's going, this is obviously me, maybe, you know? And I don't know because I had a, a bike accident a couple of years ago um, and I now have a steel shoulder because of it, you know? But, um, but we, every time they went to put a needle, they couldn't, you know, it took age to get a vein and they can only do it so many times that they change the nurses around. I said, maybe, you know, they said, you really deep vein. said, maybe that's something to do with it. So I got one for the arm and, to pair my watch to an arms uh, monitor that helped a bit and yeah. and then i end up getting the polar h10 i think is the one i use for everything now and i yeah. find that you know like i i use that for you know it has vo2 testing on it you know i know it's not lab standard but it's pretty good you know and the right. the ans system recovery and the it yeah. pairs to my row machine and my you know my treadmill and my watch everything but one metric though i do find the puzzling and I have a power meter on my bike my row bike but when yeah. I've got the Vantage V I've seen this power yes. thing coming back on the running 
And uh, I wanted to ask you about this, yeah, because should I be watching that as much as, you know, a lot of cycling training is based on your power meter a lot. You know, once you yeah. get up there a bit, you're kind of doing average speed, then you want to do average watts. But running, I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm looking at. Is, is it something that's important to look at or is it a metric that's just there for the sake of it? Um, I have mixed feelings on it. Um, and um, I think it's a fantastic... Okay, so first of all, a uh, bit of history there. So power meters on bikes, very popular, you know, uh, that's primarily the, the, the primary number that I'm looking at when I'm on the bike. So you bike into the wind, you have to put out more power to actually go a, the same speed that you would if the wind was on your back. Um, and so looking at that power is a more honest look at like how hard you're working. Uh, but it, the way that they figure out power, which is like the Watts that you're putting into the pedal, um, is like what they have is like a strain gauge. So you can think about it like, a, you know, a piece of metal bends a certain amount, you know, when the metal is at a certain temperature based on how much pressure you're putting on it. So they measure how much power you're actually putting into the pedal. That's a real value that's, you know, repeatable and testable. And, uh, you, I, it's a fantastic metric on the bike and you can measure it in different locations on the bike. When it comes to running, there's not that same like spindle or location where you can just put a power meter. They, they've tried this. In fact, we actually had something very similar to that in the runner's world shoe lab um, where you would kind of have an insole in your shoe. And, you know, again, it's like, okay, how much um, force are you pushing off with from the shoe and things like that. Um, but it's not a great metric for running uh, just because you don't really have a strain gauge. And obviously there's no way to like measure from your watch, from your wrist, you know, how much pressure you're putting in through your feet, right? So um, how is how is a power meter at all valuable? Well, the way they do that, and this is the way that the stride power meter pod works that's on your shoe. And that's a, another product that we can talk about. Um, but the same thing from your watch is they're looking at a couple of things. They're looking at like the accelerometer data. So, you know, how things are moving, like how fast things are moving back and forth, um, how, like how much you're climbing uphill. Um, the stride power meter is even kind of trying to figure out how much wind is involved when you're running. Again, the wrist-based ones don't do that. Uh, but there it's, you end up getting a number. It's really more of an algorithm and they've calculated that number. It's, it's an estimate of what they think you're putting out power wise. And I think it's a good number to kind of look at because there's some real benefits to it, right? So if you run a half marathon race uh, and it's uphill for certain sections and downhill for other sections, you can really kind of monitor how much effort you're putting in based on that kind of like, hey, um, I kind of want to ease up on this uphill because I don't want to overdo it. And then I can let myself go a little bit on the downhill. And those are going to be kind of equal efforts where, you know, whereas like, um, you know, if you look at pace, that's going to be a bad judge of effort, right? So power for running is good, uh, but I don't put too much stock in like, you know, being able to compare numbers or anything like that because they're very much an estimate of power. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, because like, I, I was obviously looking at it and I was like, well, should I put stock into this? I don't know. Maybe I'm not at that level where I should need to be worrying about it, but like you said, you know, I do some hill runs and trails and mountain runs. I'll, we'll probably look at it more now. When yeah, it I would. Thing. 
here's what I would recommend for you. I would say like, you know, go on some of your speed workouts and look at how much, cause you know, you're on a level track. I assume you're doing your speed work on the track. Um, but you know, look at some of those interval workouts that you do, if it's fairly flat or whatever, uh, and look at the numbers that you're holding and try to get an idea of kind of like what your, um, numbers might be that you want to hold for races. Another test you can do is your functional threshold power, your FTP. And that's roughly your power that you should be able to hold for an hour. And then what I would do is when you get into some sort of half marathon or something like that, kind of give yourself some, a range of power numbers. And so, especially if you're doing like a hilly half marathon, uh, and that's when you can be like, Hey, I want to stay within this power meter zone. Um, and I think that might be another metric where you can say like, you'd probably do this with your heart rate where you're like, do not go above whatever number, because you know, that's going to be redlining it. Uh, and you don't want to do that early in a half marathon. You can do something similar with power. And I think you might enjoy that for, you know, doing some races or things like that. Yeah, it's interesting. I know you have that BMC behind you. And I've seen other videos which you have the, the Trek as well behind you. And yeah. the Trek, is it the Speed Concept? Is that what one yes. you had? Yeah. Um, what, 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 you must use them for different types of races, do you? Um, so, right. So, um, the Trek Speed Concept is uh, what they call like a time trial bike. Um, some people will call it a, a triathlon bike, which has aero bars. Uh, and, um, that, uh, is a lot faster. And so you're, you're basically kind of leaned down over the bike and you're in this, what they would call an aero position. Uh, you'll even sometimes wear like a different helmet and different things like that. Uh, typically when you're doing that, you are not riding with a group of people or you're, you're kind of all by yourself because you do have less control of the bike when you're on a bike like that. Um, but a lot of people will say, well, if that bike's faster, why don't you just have that bike? Why don't you just use that bike all the time? Um, and the reason is because, well, some races, if you're doing a bike race, they won't allow that bike. They're, they're not that safe. If you're in a pack of people and you fall down, then other people are going to fall over you. Um, and then uh, the other reason is, you know, when you're climbing, those bikes tend to be a little bit heavier. Um, most people are more comfortable on a road bike, like the BMC that's behind me right now. And so I do like it. I do like to have both options. Um, you know, really that, you know, the time trial bike is what you would use for triathlon racing. And I actually do train with it a lot as well, but I just kind of go and do my own ride by myself when I'm using that bike. Um, I tend to not ride with friends and, uh, tight configurations or anything like that. Yeah. And I guess we're, we're typically, I actually have, I've, I'm an older style Trek. I, um, I, I don't, don't necessarily hold stock to any particular brand, but I do know when I started out on a Carrera years ago, um, a few a relative said to me, you know, we can't go wrong with a good, decent Trek bike, you know, and, you know, a carbon one maybe or something like that. So yeah. I ended up going into the one series Trek and then eventually got a, a Madone 5 series, which I use at the moment. Yeah. Now it's, it's an older one. And it, it's, I think it's, it's a 2006 um, Armstrong uh, spec kind of thing, but it, yeah. it's still a great bike, you know, I, uh, some had it hung up in their garage and hadn't used it since a few yep. months after they bought it. And I said, how much do you want for it? And they said, 500 will do. And I said, yeah, I'll take that, you know. And it's a great bike. And even though it is older, I know like technology, like the like the watches and all, has come on a long way. And, you know, I know essentially it's, it's a bike. You know what I mean? Like there are obviously the newer bikes are more aero and they have different types of brakes and whatever. But, um, I've done a few bits and pieces upgrades on it, but 
I look the biking as a change for, you know, if your legs are feeling tough and sore after a run, it's like that lesser impact sport as an alternative. And actually the mountain biking I've gotten into recently as well, it's just a, a different way of keeping motivated for getting out. Do you do any mountain biking stuff? I just, okay. So I saw some of your mountain biking videos and there's some really cool <laughs> stuff. Like you have some like drone videos and stuff. It's super cool. Um, I, uh, I just got a mountain bike about a month ago and, uh, it's, you know, it's a crime really, because we have so many good trails, like right outside my door. I don't have to drive anywhere to go mountain biking. I can just go right from the house, uh, which is really why I decided to, you know, suck it up and get a mountain bike. Um, and my buddy was, you know, selling his same kind of situation where he was like, Hey, this one's just sitting here in the garage. I have a different mountain bike that I use. And I said, I'll buy this from you. Um, and he gave me a good deal, but, um, it's, uh, it is a, I, I, I like mountain biking. I find that I get a better workout from being on a road bike because you're doing more like that cardiovascular stuff. Whereas the mountain biking is more maybe fun and, um, challenging with kind of, you know, keeping the bike in line. Uh, and then I completely agree with you when it comes to like the road fatigue, you can go bike a hundred, you know, hundred kilometers and the next day your legs might be a little bit sore, but they're not beat up at all. So it's a, it's a different kind of soreness. The running beats you up a good bit, even though I still find that like running is my favorite sport. Biking is nice because you can kind of go a long way. You can see a lot of things and you know, the next day you can do it again. So. Yeah. Yeah. And as well, like, like you say, the trails, the trails I find, you know, I started a road running and when I got to the trails, it's like, well, I don't need these earphones because it's just so it's great. You know, the trails are so nice being in nature and uh, just yes. running through. It's a different feeling altogether, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was going to ask on the thought side of things, is there any good kind of books that you picked up along the way, kind of sports related um, that have helped you along the way or made you look at your training tactics in a different way? Um, so I have, I've read a whole bunch of like running books over the years. Um, triathlon wise, there's, um, the, a book called the triathlon Bible, which is Joe Freehill. And, um, that one's excellent, especially, and it's one that I recommend, like if you're considering triathlon and you're new and you, you know, and you're trying to just kind of like figure this stuff out, like, Hey, consider picking up a book like this because it'll talk through, you know, training and training regiments and what you should potentially do, uh, as well as a whole bunch of like, um, you know, technology questions, although some of that stuff is a little bit old, it's still great for kind of like, you know, uh, learning the basics of the sport. So I think that's good. That's great. Uh, you know, like we were saying, it also ties into the top side of things. You touched on it earlier, how the running helps your mental side of things, your mentality. Yes. And I do find, um, you know, if you don't, if you, if you take a week or a few weeks off, you know, you start to feel down yourself. And it's like a vicious circle, you don't get out there. But it's sometimes yep. just that one run back that pumps you back up to get you back on the on the road again. If you ever have them lulls yourself, absolutely, yeah. Um, my wife and I are. It's it's nice having her because she is a believer in this too. It's just like, it, you know, we don't feel the same when we don't exercise. We, you know, it's it's almost like a depression kind of feeling. And um, man, you know, we're not as good at being patient with our kids. And, um, we, you know, I almost think of it like a medicine. It's like, you need, you need to go take your, you know, take your medicine, go, go out there and do something, please. Uh, we need, we need that in our life. Um, and so I have a really hard time with taking time off. Um, 
it's nice having three different sports and like you said, and strength training and, you know, stretching and conditioning. It's, it's nice having the variety because you can, you know, if your Achilles is hurt, well, then you can go swim. Um, there's so many different things that you can do to kind of get that, to fill that need of exercise. Um, running is my preferred, but I also think running beats you up a little bit. So. Yeah, it is true. Running can be tough on the joints. And, uh, I do think there's, I remember you saying earlier that you're doing 100 kilometers in a week and all. I think you have to get to a point where you really yes. condition your body to get up that hard, don't you? You know, you, you can really hurt yourself by taking on too yeah. much too early. Yeah. And that's always dangerous where like someone sees, oh, well, Matt did 200 kilometers in a week. I'm going to go do that. Um, you know, that doesn't, that's not going to work. It's, you're going to kill yourself. It's, it's because, you know, I did years of that, that I was able to do it. And, you know, and it's just like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that there's some magic number um, that's perfect. It's kind of like you want to increase probably similar, similar with weights, right? There's no magic number for weightlifting, right? Like you, you have to slowly increase your tolerance for the weight that you want to be able to work out towards. And so it's just, um, it takes time. And I think a lot of people forget the fact that it takes so much time. Yeah, it's true. And I think you have to kind of just focus on your own results. Like I, I love Strava and I love seeing the stats. And I love, um, I love the community element of it. I love that uh, it's not just a Facebook post you're liking from someone else ranting about something. It's you're liking the fact that they got out and they did their run and it's a motivational thing. But as well, the only downside to it is I think some people who are only starting out are a bit low in confidence are kind of looking at, I can only do two kilometers yeah. a day. I'm going to cut that on private. Or, you know what I mean? Where they, right. it just, I find the running community is a great community. It's the most welcoming community. And I hear that from everyone everywhere, you know. Everyone just wants other people to progress the way they do when they start. People are I think so. The journey, yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, I've, I've been doing this where I like post my one mile, you know, midday run or whatever it is, or morning run or whatever. And it's like 10 minutes for a mile. And people are like, good job. I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, <laughs> you think like they would make fun of you or something like that, but no, everyone's been okay with me, you know, saying, well, I'm coming back from an Achilles injury. I don't want to push it. Um, so I think people are, I think people understand, especially, you know, it might be different if they were teenagers or something, but I think most of the people that are on Strava are adults and, you know, are pretty respectable. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, if you're not feeling that good and you manage to get out and do a slow run or a short distance, yeah. you're, you're lapping yourself who's sitting on the couch last week who wasn't doing anything at all, you know? And yeah. that's why I say you, you don't need to always get a personal best every time you go running. You know, get it, once you move, like it's going to add to you. And like we said, but the low heart rate zones, even stuff like that, where you're out doing a fast walk or a slow jog, yeah. you know, has great benefits to your aerobic, you know, base in the long run. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. Like my buddy who was a collegiate, he was a collegiate 800 runner. So very, very fast guy. And he like his posting on Strava. He was like, yep, I got out for a walk and I'm trying to get a walk in every day. And I'm like, man, like I'm not making fun of you. Like I'm dead serious. Like this is exactly what I need to do. Like these, there's real benefits to this. And, um, I, I think everyone's for the most part, pretty positive on the platform. Uh, and I think that, you know, People like me that were, were fast and they're slower now, I think probably have a little harder time. Um, but 
I think you, we, we are all still kind of like make, trying to make progress, trying to get better with every single time that we go out there. Um, and it is, like you said, so much better than sitting on the couch. So, yeah. And I found as well, when I was training people who are getting into it, I was getting a huge benefit, you know, and I, I didn't realize that I was going into my own stuff. Say I was training, I had 16 or 17 sessions in a week, or I was training people who, you know, my heart rate wasn't going up, but, you know, they were running and then stopping uh, and then going again at the next section. Um, and then doing a little bit of core work with them where it wasn't putting my body under tax, you know, much taxation. But then when they went there running, all of a sudden, you know, I was breathing through my nose and I was running up hills and I was like, you know, obviously doing that, but then it's still counting as a lower intensity form of exercise for me also. Yeah. That's, that stuff is hugely beneficial. So, I mean, I think it's great that you're getting that in. I want to jump on to the truth, which is the third, um, third aspect of the podcast which is I guess you know the reason I added this in you know I think years ago I used to say not years ago but a while ago I used to say um, that if you had your your if you're mentally and physically prepared for the world you know you're doing well I definitely got the spiritual thing along the way because I found um, I found it was lacking I think they're all tied in together it's like we're talking about the running the physical health helping our, our mental health I think, you know, the likes of you know, finding, you know, being in a dark place as well and, and putting yourself out that can help as well. And I know it means different things for different guests. And um, I, I particularly have a strong faith in Christianity and that's kind of based on the kind of road to Damascus kind of moment I had a few years back. And yeah. uh, I, I, great, I get great gratitude now since then. I, you know, um, try and make myself a better person in the long run. I like to help you know, this podcast is kind of, you know, I probably wouldn't have done it if I hadn't had that experience. Um, and yeah. the, the, the personal training, I don't think, you know, I get it, you know, I think that that's, um, I love seeing people, you know, get out of that darkness and get themselves moving and feeling better than themselves. And you see that person changing or if it's losing weight or if it's, you know, whatever right. it is mentally, you know, I find it great. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what your motivation is or your truth in life like I, I, do you have a faith that you hold to that's a cornerstone or is it more your kids and motivate you or yeah well i mean i think that um i think that any human that goes out the door and experiences some of the stuff that you and i get to experience you know all the time whether that's going for a run on the trail going mountain biking is going to have that spiritual connection and appreciation really. And I think appreciation is very important um, for the world that's been provided for us. Uh, And then again, you know, the second part of that is the body that's been provided for us uh, to be able to go out and explore all of those things. And so, you know, I think, you know, whether, you know, you're praying or you're just being thankful uh, for items that, constant, you know, appreciation that you're showing is going to make a huge mental benefit just for you personally. And people, I think, take that for granted is like, you know, they're, they're constantly saying stuff like, you know, um, oh, my ankle is hurting or blah, blah, blah. But when you turn it around and you're like, oh, I'm thankful that I, I, maybe I wasn't able to run, but I'm thankful that I was able to go walk. It just having that appreciation or, or saying like, you know, a prayer and thank you so much for the opportunity to, you know, be, be out in nature, you know, amongst your creation, I think is huge. Um, So, 
you know, one of the things with my YouTube channel is like, how do I encourage more people to do, you know, these three sports that I love? Uh, because it is, it's about being out there and doing stuff. And if someone were watching my video and they were like, you know, close the laptop, I'm done with this. I'm going to go outside. Then that's a huge win for me. Uh, even if they don't finish the video, it's like they went out there and they were encouraged to go and, you know, maybe use the watch or, um, you know, just see the trails. And I work hard on the videos themselves because again, you're trying to capture that, like, oh, how pretty this area is, or this, you know, the beauty of being out there and you never do it justice. You, I mean, you always are trying and you're like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm even trying like, okay, you know, there's bird noises and things. It's like, you can never do it justice of, of how beautiful it really is being out there. Um, but again, like, that's the fun, challenging part of the cinematography side of stuff, because you're going to keep trying to make it um, somewhat represent how nice it is out there. So I think the spiritual side is, is huge, um, you know, at least in my mind. Uh, and I think it's just such a benefit to fighting all the stuff that, you know, we're fighting in today's society, whether that's, you know, overuse of screens or just massive amounts of depression in people. Yeah. You know, funny you said, like we were talking about this before I hit record, you know, your intros to your videos, some stunning work on nature as well. Like just even, it's obviously a drone that's, that's flying. You think your, your Mavic Air, you said, and even, yep. even the little preview I put up was from a, from an intro of your own uh, video and just running through the trails and the bird noises and things like that. And, you know, it does, it makes me more grateful for, like I would say, I did a mountain bike cycle um, yesterday, uh, yesterday evening in the woods and uh, I said to one of the guys behind me, I was like, yeah, that's amazing looking, isn't it? You know, look at the colours, you know, you know, you have to appreciate even this time of year, like what the oh, yeah. colours they are and brings, like they just stand out, you know, I mean, they stand out more than in the, in the last few years, but I just appreciate that a bit more. And he's like, oh, you and your nature, this is exactly what he says. And he'd be laughing when <laughs> he listen to this. But um, it does. I don't you, I was going to say, I don't think we do it enough. I don't think we stop and like take it in as much as we should. You know, I was on the road bike yesterday and I'm like, got to get my hour in. I have to test this watch or whatever. And it's like, you know what? Like how much better is it when you stop and like take a moment and soak it in? Um, I, 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 I need to remind myself more often to do that. I think I probably do that more when I'm doing trail running than I do when I'm biking. But man, it is it's worth doing for sure. You know, it is. And sometimes I'm like, I'll go out for a leisurely cycle, but it never ends up that way. You always look at your average speed and your average watts and you always go, but even, even just while you're cycling, sometimes you just take it in, but uh, particularly the trails, you know, I think are yeah. so, so amazing stuff. Like, like I said, I, it's, it's on the road. I sometimes bring my earphones or I always do. And the trails, I don't ever. And then right. I just be in the moment of it. You know, I think, the exercise has that knock-on effect to get you out more into that. Because if we didn't do the exercise, we might go for a walk in the woods once a month, maybe. Where if you're running, you'll get out once a week in that trail zone, you know. And uh, especially, like, I find the Saturday morning, like, 7 in the morning, like, you feel great for the rest of the day. And, you know, how are you oh, doing? Yeah. You know, you've got that fresh air. If, you know, there's no cars smoking beside you or like that. Um, and one thing I want to say, you said about gratitude. This is one thing I found about your YouTube channel. And I, I went down through nearly all the videos and I caught that, you know, nearly any comment or probably any comment that was put on your YouTube channels, you have replied to and you said, thank you for, for watching or thank you for listening. Um, and I thought it was really refreshing to see because you don't see that often. And I went down 
through your stuff last year and all that's the same thing there you know and it just it is nice and refreshing to see you know because you don't see that much um, and in fairness to you you know you, you seem like someone who's very grateful of that as well um i probably you know it's i do a, I, like i think about this all the time like um I, you know, someone takes the time to subscribe to my channel. I'm just thinking like, wow, that's so nice of them that they would, you know, spend any of their time watching these videos. I, I do appreciate it. Um, I worry sometimes that it's like, you know, like, oh, you know, the videos I like to think, well, they should provide value for them, whatever the, you know, whatever they're looking for, whether it's a pretty sunset or if it's like answers about a specific watch or whatever it is. Um, and so, I do want to provide value, uh, but at the same time, I, I also am appreciative of their time. You know, they could watch, you know, anyone else's videos and they chose to use, chose to watch mine, so. Yeah, no, and it is something, and I've actually subscribed, but I actually found that you don't, the, uh, you also have your podcast, the, uh, with, with your four friends, the uh, yep. Dials podcast is the cycling-based one. I know you, you say you try sneaking in the, uh, the uh, triathlon stuff in there as well but yeah. like even that dude, when I, I heard the intro and the different range of experiences you have it's really something I recommend to other people listen now because it has really great stuff in there yeah and that one is definitely more cycling specific um mm -hmm. and it's uh it's nice because it's a lot less work than the videos um and uh you know, I almost, I just kind of consider it like my social hour where like this, these are my buddies and we sit around and we chat and, um, it's much more loose. Whereas the videos are, you know, a little bit more edited and polished. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, have you found that hard with the COVID, um, trying to, has that gone on hold because, you know, just meeting up and uh, all the rest um, of like everyone knows someone with it and there's lockdown or there's yeah. isolating. Yeah, we um, have switched to Skype a little bit. So the more recent episodes are, um, you know, I think like occasionally we can get together. It just depends on like where we are with like lockdowns and things like that. Um, but right right now I've been kind of Skyping into the podcast, uh, which is not as great, right? Because like it's it's always better to be in person sitting around having these conversations. Um, but it, it is it is something and Zoom is fantastic and Skype is fantastic. They're great tools for where we are right now with COVID. Yeah. And just on that note, you know, I know personally, I know a few friends of mine and, you know, people have been texting me saying, look, their mood is a bit lower at the moment um, where they were making some progress with their fitness. They're finding that hit. They feel unmotivated to get out. Um, any I know we're, we're facing this again 2021, you know, we're going into this year. I know in Ireland, it's the highest cases this week than ever, you know, right. and it's almost a year going. Um, but as someone who is an athlete and constantly kind of on the game and, and running, do you have any kind of tips to keep your set that you're going to use to keep yourself motivated in this coming year? Well, um, here's one that's not a, not a great tip because, you know, it could end up being a disappointment, but I do think that uh, signing up for some sort of event, right? Um, hopefully it's in the summer or the fall or something like that, where there's maybe a chance with vaccines of, of the event actually happening. But I think the action of signing up for an event will motivate you more than your 
more than you would think. So you sign up for something, you know, it's on the calendar, you penciled it in and you know, you have to perform on that day. Now the race is highly likely to get canceled, right? But you could do a virtual race on that specific day if it's canceled, right? Like let's say you sign up for um, the London marathon, probably not going to happen, right? But once it's on that calendar and you know you have to be ready for a marathon, just the act of having that training and all of this stuff working towards that goal will be, you know, extremely motivational for you. Um, and I just think that you, you may get to the day and you may do that marathon virtually or on your own or whatever, however you want to do it. But that's great. And that's a great accomplishment. And everyone should be proud of that. But it's the training and all this time spent building towards that that's maybe even more valuable than the actual race itself. Uh, and I, I don't think that there's, you know, you know, you have these race medals that people are so proud of. I've got some like behind me, but it's like, it's the training and things like that that you're most proud of. And the medals and things like that, maybe they just represent, you know, the work that went into it. So I think putting something on the calendar is good. Yeah, and there's an old quote as well, like I by an old singer of mine, I like um, it has to be to get to going, not to getting there. That's good. You know, you have to enjoy the, the building towards something rather than the results necessarily. Yeah. And as well, like I guess when people are working from home a lot and they're probably saving an extra bit of fuel money, it's probably a good time to jump on the virtual stuff like uh, getting a turbo trainer and, and get into the Zwift side of things. It might be an opening there, you know, either if they don't want to face the winter weather, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you do a bit of Zwift as well, don't you? Yes, I do. I do. Um, probably I'm on Zwift about three or four times a week. Um, I don't love it as much because again, like exactly what we talked about before, we were talking about like being out in nature and how beneficial that is. Uh, but Zwift is way better than not doing something. And uh, right now it is quite rainy here this time of year. And so um, it is very much worth having, you know, these tools to be able to exercise, you know, really whenever you want to. So, yeah. Well, listen, Matt, I, I've, we've gone through the training and some great tips and insights there. And I know, I know people already who will really get great benefits. I've gotten benefits and I'm going to look up a few things myself. And I'm going to stay dialed into the, the Dials podcast as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, I look, thanks very much for coming on. I know everyone's time is limited um, these days and everyone's very busy schedule and yourself, especially with being an athlete and making your videos and the kids and whatever else, you know. So I much appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing a bit of insight and hopefully it'll reach a few people as well. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you so much for having me. No, that's great. And listen, we'll keep in touch again anyway, Matt. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. So Matt Legrand there, thanks very much, Scott.